Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, we have a few readings. The first is from 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 to 13, then Matthew 17, verses 1 to 9, and then Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, and chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church, and the preacher is Keith Bell from St. John's Presbyterian Church in Bendigo. So let's read 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And now let's read Matthew 17, 1 to 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. 
But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision, until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And now let's read from Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And finally, let's read from Hebrews 3, verses 1 to 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word. Open our minds to understand and to accept the truth of your word. Stimulate our wills to apply your word in our lives. Amen. Ever listen to people on the TV or the radio? And they sometimes make great claims about themselves. Think back a few years. Ever heard of a bloke called Muhammad Ali? What did he claim about himself? He said, I am the greatest. And then he said something else about himself. I float like a I float like a butterfly, but I sting like a bee. And he was a truly humble man. He said, My only fault is that I don't realise how great I really am. Think back a few years. Tony Abbott had just been elected leader of the Liberal Party and he made the comment, two comments, he said, I am the best person to lead the Liberal Party. I am the best person to be Prime Minister of Australia. Now think about what Jesus claimed about himself. And I've only listed four here. You can remember all the others. He said, I am God. Remember when he said that? What did the people want to do? You don't remember. They wanted to pick up stones too. Stone him for blasphemy. 
He said on another occasion, I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. On another occasion he said, I am the Messiah. On another occasion he said, I am the ultimate judge of all mankind. Well, when people make big claims about themselves, what do we do with those claims? Well, for those claims that in the long run don't really matter, we can ignore them or dismiss them. And for Muhammad Ali, that's what most people did, wasn't it? Just ignore what he had to say. If you've lost interest in Australian politics, or if you're a Labour Party supporter, what are you going to do about claims of people like Tony Abbott? Yeah, ignore them. But if you are a Christian, you may fall for the trap of just accepting Jesus' claims about himself without thinking about them too much. Or if you have no interest in the things of Christianity, you may just dismiss Jesus and what he has to say because he's a Jew. Or like uh, Nathaniel, because he comes from Nazareth. Or like the people Jesus grew up with, you may say, oh, forget it, I learned about him as a kid in Sunday school. Now what I'm wanting to propose to you today is this. In the great scheme of things, what we claim about ourselves doesn't count for very much at all. In the great scheme of things, did Muhammad Ali's claims about himself amount to very much? No. Did Tony Abbott's claims about himself amount to very much? No. In the great scheme of things, does Jesus' claims about himself amount for very much? And the answer is no. Why not? Well, other people have claimed to be the Messiah, haven't they? Other people have said the same sorts of things about themselves that Jesus did. So just because he made the claims doesn't mean very much. What does matter? In the great scheme of things, what is the most important thing at all? Isn't it what God has to say? What God has to say about somebody or something or whatever, that is the important thing. Not what I say, not what Jesse says. It's what God says that matters. And we read about that, didn't we? In, um, or Tony read it in our first Bible reading. When God wanted Samuel to anoint a new king over Israel, he made the comment, don't look at his appearance. That's because he's six foot six, built with two axe handles across the shoulders. Good looking bloke. Don't look on the outside. God says, that's not important. That's irrelevant. People get impressed by such things. 
What's down here is what's important. And that's what God looks at. The important thing is what God has to say. And today I want us to consider God the Father's view about Jesus. And I want us to answer the question, what did or what does God think about Jesus? And what does God the Father consider to be an appropriate response to him from us? And if you'd like to open back up at Matthew chapter 17, 1 to 9, we'll look at them. And the first thing I want us to consider is what happened. What happened? They were, Peter, James, John and Jesus were up on that mountain. And what did Peter, James and John witness? I want to suggest to you that they witnessed the unveiling of Jesus. Right? Remember what Charles Wesley said? Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Right? Jesus was God in the flesh. That's what incarnate means, in the flesh. His glory was veiled, it couldn't be seen. Peter, James and John were given the great honour, the great privilege of being able to see Jesus unveiled. And not just look at him as a man, but they witnessed him as God in all his glory. And they were overwhelmed. They were flabbergasted to see Jesus in his glory and to see him chatting with Moses and Elijah. And uh, Luke records for us that they were talking about Jesus' departure from the earth. Now ask yourselves, what did Peter, James and John do? Who were Moses and Elijah? Well, for a Jew, Moses and Elijah were great ones. Right? Moses led the people out of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses gave them the law. Elijah was perhaps one of the greatest prophets. They were great ones held up, revered by, by the Jews. And what did they do with Jesus? Didn't they take Jesus? And say, you two are a great one. Put them in the same category as uh, Moses and Elijah. Peter wanted to build them shelters for them all. They put Jesus into the same category as Moses and Elijah. Was God happy with that? Come on, do this, do this, do this. Right? He wasn't happy. We're told while he was still speaking, that cloud came down and God said, come on, put it into Australian English. What did he say? 
Peter, James and John wanted to lump Jesus and Moses and Elijah together in the one category and God says, don't you dare. Don't you dare put them in the same category. Don't you dare lump my son in the same category as people that you think of as being great. I want you to take note of him. And then God goes on, God the Father goes on to give his assessment of Jesus. He said, this is my son. What did he mean by that? Well, we know. Was Jesus a created being like us? And the answer is, no way. Jesus was begotten of the Father, as we say in our creeds. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God the Son. So the Heavenly Father says, This is my Son, whom I love, or my beloved one. And Luke tells us in his account of this incident, He is my chosen one. And we read in the book of Hebrews, as Jesse read for us before, Moses might be on this level as a leader in Israel, but where's Jesus? Up here somewhere. We're told that Jesus was found worthy of greater honour than Moses. Jesus is not in the same category as Moses and Elijah. He is up here somewhere, far greater than them. And about Jesus, God the Father says, I'm well pleased with him. He's been doing a great job. He's been teaching people everything that I want them to know. Was God the Father impressed with Jesus? Come on, do this. Say, sure was. Now, what, can, what, what other assessment can we add now on that assessment given back then? Well, Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, God has exalted him. I love this reading. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Was God the Father impressed with Jesus? And the answer is a resounding, sure is, and so when Peter and James and John wanted to lump them together, Jesus and Moses and Elijah, what's the father's response? Don't you dare. Don't you dare. He is so far superior to them. And then God gives an instruction. How do you think it was spoken? Listen to him. No. I think it was probably a bit more like, listen to him. 
And I want to suggest to you that that's the appropriate response, the only appropriate response that people should give to Jesus. Listen to him. Why? Well, when he spoke, he spoke with the big A word, authority. He spoke with authority, not like the rabbis, not like the teachers of the law. He was authoritative, more authoritative than Moses or the prophets. And for that reason alone, people should listen to him. Why else? Well, his interpretation of the law was fuller than that given by the rabbis. You know, Jesus said, read the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe that's your homework this afternoon. I've given some to the kids. Your homework this afternoon. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Time and time and again you're going to read Jesus saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you, his teaching was fuller, a better interpretation, more important than that of the rabbis. What else? Come on, you can add some more. Think about it, add some more when you get home. Remember what Peter said about Jesus' teaching one day? You know, the people were starting to wander away from Jesus because they thought his teaching was too hard. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, well, are you blokes going to go too? And Big Pete the fisherman says, Lord, where will we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. Why should people listen to Jesus? Because he has the message of eternal life. What did Jesus say about his own words? It's a beautiful one. You all learned this song at Sunday school. Did you learn the build on the rock song at Sunday school? Anybody? Some? Yeah? Right? Build on the rock? Isn't that what Jesus said? Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blow and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. So God says to us, to the people back then, to those disciples, to people of all generations, even those yet to be born, he says about Jesus, he is my son. I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. So what? So what? Many people like to try to put Jesus into the same category as they do other great teachers and philosophies. They make the same mistake that Peter, James and John did. These people need to hear 
God the Father's. Don't you dare. Don't you dare put my son in the same category as Moses or Elijah or Buddha or Muhammad or Plato or Socrates or Nietzsche or anybody else. Why? Because they're all here at this level. Jesus is up here somewhere. He is far superior to them all. So no matter what philosophy we hear, no matter what things are tried to be promulgated to us through universities, the media, our politicians, we're not to listen to them. Jesus is the one we're to listen to. Second thing, ask yourself, if the Father's instruction that was given before Jesus was crucified, risen and exalted, was that people should listen to him, how much more does it apply today? Because Jesus has proven all those claims he made by dying and rising again. He proved he is the Messiah. He proved who he was. We need to listen to him. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, we must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? The salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. People today need to hear and understand and implement what Jesus says. If the instruction was given before he was crucified and risen and resurrected and exalted, it applies even more so today. Now Jesus has spoken about many things. But what do people want to do with what he has to say? Isn't it this? They want to stick their fingers in their ears. They don't want to listen. Why not? Because it hurts their pride. It hurts their egos. People don't like being told that there is a judgment, there is hell for those who refuse to believe in Jesus. They don't want to hear that God's wrath remains on them if they refuse to believe in Jesus. They don't want to hear about how Jesus says we ought to live. They don't want to hear about what the scriptures say, that homosexuality is wrong. Scripture calls it a perversion. But our government in Australia says, it's okay. Our Prime Minister joins in the rally to promote it. Scripture, God says, no, it is wrong. We need to hear that. The people of Australia need to hear that. People don't want to hear. But God says, listen to my son. And so we need to set aside too our preconceived ideas.
what we think God ought to do. We need to listen to Jesus, to take to heart what he says, to accept it and put it into practice. We also have a challenge, don't we? What was Jesus' last instruction to his church before he was taken up into heaven? Sorry? Go into all the world and make disciples. As I shared with the children before, there are still more than 2,000 language groups in the world that have no scripture. Not even one verse in their language. There are more than 6,000 languages in the world that don't have a full copy of the Bible. You know how many sign languages in the world have a, a Bible in their language? One. How many sign languages are there in the world? More than 400. There's a big job still to do, isn't there? We have a challenge. You, me, every Christian has a challenge to be making sure that people from every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language group on earth have the scriptures so that they can hear the words of Jesus. That's a challenge, isn't it? To us, to every Christian. What do you think about having God's assessment of Jesus? Is it good? Sure is. We're left in no doubt that God the Father thought very highly of Jesus and that he will hold accountable those who do not accept what Jesus has to say. He says, listen to him. Her people have no excuse People of Australia have no excuse if they fail to heed that instruction, if they put their fingers in their ears and don't want to listen to what Jesus has to say. And the challenge for you and me is to have this same high view of Jesus. That when push comes to shove, we stand firm on what Jesus has to say not on what the Australian government or what our universities or any philosopher has to say. We have the challenge to stand firm, listening to Jesus, putting into effect what he tells us to do. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this assessment of what you think about Jesus Thank you, Lord, that Peter, James and John were given that privilege of seeing him unveiled. And though they wanted to lump him in the same category as great ones or the ones people think were great in the Jewish religion, you spoke forcefully. You spoke and said to them, don't you dare, because Jesus, we know, is far superior to them all. And he is the one who is to be listened to. He is the one who teaches us and gives us the words of eternal life. 
He is the one who shows us the way to God. So we pray, Lord God, for the strength to stand firm in our Lord Jesus and what he teaches. We pray for those who don't yet have the scriptures in their own language. We pray, Lord, that they will soon hear the words of Jesus in the language of their heart. We pray it in his name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.